Welcome to the haunted house. <laughs> Come on now, children. Gather around if you dare. I have a story for you. It's bound to give you a scare. Yeah! <laughs> awesome. You do have a story for us today, don't you? I have quite a story. For All you right. and for everybody. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Do share. So why is it called The Haunted House? Well, first of all, are you actually looking forward to it? Or are you just saying that? No, I actually don't like the story, but I have to pretend like I do. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Jesse's heard it one too many times and it gives him the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so a few weeks ago, I went on a trip away and it was quite a crazy trip for many different reasons. And it was not at all what I expected it to be. It was actually not a super great trip, but I came away with a pretty legendary story that I feel like I just have to tell. I yeah. have to share it. Share it, man. So what, what did you expect it to be? What, what, what were you looking for? Just so people know what you received in comparison with what you were looking for. Yeah. Well, just before I dive into the story, I want to let you all know that I'm going to change some names of the people and places in this story just to protect and be respectful generally. But Jesse and I had planned a trip away with another couple, a couple of very good friends of ours, Nat and Dan. We had been planning this trip for a very long time and we were all looking very forward to it. Everyone was holding out for it. Everyone had been working really, really hard last year. We'd been through a pretty crazy year, and especially Nat and Dan, like they needed this trip and they needed Dan needed this time with Jesse. Je Jesse needed this time with Dan. You and I needed this time with each other. Yeah, it was it was a very uh, strenuous last few months leading into the trip that was supposed to go over New Year's. So everyone was very overworked and very excited for a beautiful trip away. Yeah. And we had planned to go away for a week and we were tossing up between two locations. One was in the Blue Mountains, just an hour drive from us. And the other one was about a 10 hour drive up north. There was a property up north. And we booked it kind of last minute, which is why we only really had two great options. And we cast a vote and we ended up deciding on the property that was 10 hours away. So we settled on that, done and dusted, locked in. We paid for it. It was happening. Now, this is where things start to get interesting because, Jesse, have you ever watched that movie Final Destination? I know the song. Well, that's Final Countdown. No, I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> never seen it. Um, so if any of you listeners have watched any of the Final Destination movies, brilliant movies, kind of like a horror thriller Wait, vibe. You've seen that movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they I'm were back surprised. in the early 2000s. Back, early 2000s horror, come on. That oh, was it's my horror. Mind. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So the, the, the idea of the movie was it's actually really fascinating that before a series of catastrophic events, there are synchronicities or little signs, little telltale signs that something bad is going to happen. Mm. And the people in the story start to pick up on these signs and try to prevent it prevent a catastrophe before it occurs basically right this happens in that horror movie called the fourth kind yeah nice. the owls show up the omens yeah omens yeah and i suppose the rever the opposite side of that happens in the book the alchemist right positive science yeah i mean they yeah they're usually called synchronicities or omens 
depending on whether they're good or bad. So I think omens f- can be good as well, though. That's just different names for the, the same thing. It's the same thing. thing. It's all just signs. Signs that can be positive or negative. Yeah. So the first kind of sign that we experienced is when we booked this property, I started getting really excited because I love going north and I was really excited for the trip and Jesse wasn't excited. And I'm like, Jesse, what's going on with you? And can you explain a little bit of your hesita- hesitation? Don't be afraid to be radically honest about your gut feelings or what it was that you were deterred by. Yeah, I'll totally share some of those. I remember the moment we booked, I didn't really like the property. I didn't really vibe with it. The idea of it seemed cool, but there are a few things about it that um, were problems for me personally. I'm a little bit particular. Not di- not a diva, but Danica likes to make fun of me as one. But I just have certain needs, particularly around my bathroom, that make <laughs> make me feel comfortable. I like to have a private bathroom. I like to make sure that you know if I'm on a sacred land or, I'm, or, or the nature is beautiful, I need to feel like I can be inside and outside. I don't like too much connection uh, some of the time. And anyway, that's a really weird general point, but there are other things about it. Um, leading up to it, I just wasn't excited and I couldn't explain why. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't really understand exactly why, but I wasn't excited. Yeah, so being on the other side of this trip, all of that I can say was rightfully so. You definitely picked up on a few physical and non-physical elements that your body said no to that I think are now super justified. But prior to the trip, I was really frustrated because I was like, why did you not vocalize this before we booked? And we had a little bit of a conflict, Jesse and I, to be radically honest, because I was like, I'm trying to get excited about this. We could have just gone to the Blue Mountains. Why didn't you let us know? Yeah, I had that vote for the Blue Mountains. And then I we rated everything out of five. And then I gave a very low rating to the place that we ended, you guys ended up going to. So, yeah. And then I just thought, oh, everyone wants to go there. Cool. I'll just... I'll just let, just know. go with it. Yeah, just go with yeah. it. It's like if three people are happy and I'm like... Eh, this is okay. It's like, yeah. for me, it was for whatever. Yeah, you know? which didn't float with me to find out afterwards. I was like, I wish you just would have said something. I kept saying that. <laughs> I wish you would have just let us know. I know, but like even the, that, the even needs that of many Dan, outweigh the needs of no, the few. No, never. Even Nat and Dan were well, like, I, why I've, didn't you let us know? I've learned that now. Yeah. Yes, of course. So that was omen number one, everybody. And as you can see, this is kind of what was playing out before yeah. the trip. Yeah, exactly. And the omens get more and more obvious. They get more and more obvious. So secondly, we've booked this trip. It's all locked in. And the host of the property reaches out to us and says, hey, guys, uh, I was I had actually just newly listed this place and it's actually supposed to be listed for an extra grand. So please give me an extra grand on top of what you've already paid. Mm, and it was already a little bit out of our budget. Hey, or quite a lot. It was quite a lot out of our budget. Mm. So I was like, bitch. No, you didn't say bitch. But yeah, go on. I did in my head. Oh, but it was then in your head. We you got said- a lot of attitude in your head, girl. Oh yeah, <laughs> massive attitude. <laughs> but basically, we said no. So that was kind of omen number two. We, we said no, and she still stuck with the original price. Which yeah, she stuck with the original price. Thankfully, honorable. So let's bring it up to now. It's two days before the trip. Jesse contacts me. He's atrociously sick. Mm-hmm. I caught some awful viral infection, and I was bedridden for five days. I couldn't leave my bed. I did watch the entire. Avatar, the last Airbender series in that time. It was fantastic. Third time watching it. Amazing show. So deeply esoteric and so well written. But yes, I was violently ill the day before. (laughs) Okay. So Jesse got super ill a couple days before. And I'm like, oh God, Jesse, we have to leave in two days. Please get better. So 
it's the day before the trip the next day. And we contact Nat and Dan and we say, guys, Jesse is atrociously sick. He is not going to make it on this trip. Now, we were supposed to leave the next day. Nat and Dan were leaving a day before us. Mm. Okay. Here comes omen number three. They go, yeah, guys, we may not make it on the trip either. My car broke down this morning. Oof. Nat's car broke down the morning they were supposed to leave. (laughs) So here we are flabbergasted. Supposed to be day one of the trip for them. We're supposed to be leaving the next day. And... Nat and Dan's car breaks down and Jesse is atrociously sick. And so we spend that entire day deliberating whether or not we should be going. If I be radically honest, my body was giving me a big no. I was very upset. My body was giving me a big no. I didn't want to go on the trip. Nat and Dan, they were also getting a no. The whole vibe was off. We had Mm. been holding out for this trip for months. We were, so much was riding on this trip. So much was riding on the four of us being there, on yeah. Jesse being there. Like it was, yeah, it was a huge blow. It was pretty rough. And um, just a small side detail. When I did speak to you the day of and heard that Nat's car broke down, there was this interesting conflict I noticed, not just in you, but in Nat as well, where it was like you, your mind wanted to go because your mind was feeling... Like it'd be a shame to waste all that money because there was a there was no refund available, so your mind was thinking, oh, we should just go. It'll be a nice holiday. It'll be a good getaway. But on the other hand of the whole situation, it was very clear that your your bodies, your, the deeper parts of yourselves, for whatever reason, were saying like, no, I don't, I don't know if I want to go. And that was so interesting to notice for me, who was already like, hell no, I can't go. But I could tell even with me, it was like my mind was like, well, why don't you just go? Why don't you just go enjoy it? It's a holiday. Like, have a good time. Yeah. And there was such intense conflict and you voiced it really well because it really was this mind versus body thing of my body's so devastated and it's giving me a no. But then I'm just trying to justify like, is it a no because I'm sad that Jesse can't come because I really want to spend time with him and it's not what we made it out to be. Well, why don't we just make something of it? You know, I don't want to lose all this cash on this holiday and... Nat and Dan really need to get away. So let's just make something of it. And we we even said Nat and Dan and and I had a laugh and we said the universe will reward us for choosing to make something of this (laughs) shitty situation. All it gave you was a irony. (laughs) All it gave us, it certainly did not reward us and instead gave us this fat story. So let's jump into it. We decide to go. So the next morning I go, I pick up Nat and Dan and we jet 10 hours north. Now it is a long day. It is a long drive. And to get to this property, first of all, it's a little bit further out of town than the person said it was. So it's supposed to be half an hour from the nearest town. It's more like 45, 50 minutes from the nearest town. And we arrive and it is nighttime and we have pretty much an A4 page of instructions on how to get to this property. Were you given that before you left? Yes, we were. Okay. Because that's the address, right? But it's, Right, so it's, here's how you get to the property. It's a scavenger hunt. It's like hit this dirt road and then it'll turn to bitumen, then it'll turn to gravel again. Then you take the first left and then you drive around the hill and then you enter through the first gate and it's going to be a four code lock. Then you enter through the second gate and it's going to be an electric fence. And then you drive through the creek and then you drive up the hill and then you turn left at the creepy signpost. And so we're reading all of this. And so we hit the first gate and we hit the second gate and it's dark. 
and so the it's first rainy. gate was what? What was the first gate? It was a it lock. Was, it was a lock, like a four code lock. Four four numbered. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then we hit the second gate, and it's an electric fence. So How did you open the electric that. fence? It had a handle. Okay, so someone has to get out and yes, open the do fence. all of this every, every single time. Every single time, and then we crossed the creek, and then we're driving up and around, and so. Yeah, just to paint a little bit more of a scene for you guys, it is late night, it is pitch black, and we are in the middle of nowhere. This property is located in between two national parks. And I keep saying we're in the butt crack of the national parks. Their neighbors are very few and far in between, and you're really, there's nobody around. Mm. So you're trekking it, you're really trekking it. So we drive up the hill, it says turn left at the creepy signpost. So we arrive at the creepy signpost, and it is a giant white rotting cross like a christian cross like a christian cross and we're like okay then <laughs> right interesting choice and she had labeled it creepy signpost a creepy signpost like, yes okay so from the instructions and from the listing and from this creepy signpost we realized that this woman's a little bit quirky because she's using words like zombie and creepy and you know she calls it the zombie house and stuff like this so we mm. think she's doing like a whole quirky creepy vibe mm. and we think it's pretty funny but let's be real seeing that signpost in the middle of the night was a little bit like my goodness why what were you feeling in for that the moment? love of god why it was <laughs> it hit you it's this giant white old ass cross it was a bit like why would that why would you use that mm, like, <laughs> to signify welcome yeah. to the property but okay cool so we finally drive down and park next to the cabin and the person has left all the lights on in the cabin and it's dark so we can't see much but it's this creepy cabin in the woods looking vibe and when we go so we walk through the front door and there's jazz music playing on the radio just like just quiet jazz music and imagine arriving somewhere in pitch black it's raining you enter this squeaky old dusty cabin and there's music playing and you're just like what (laughs) who is here um nobody was there all the windows were open every single window was open really and held open by weird objects like there was a mallet holding the bedroom open in my in um bedroom window open in my room um there was things like a jesus cross over the front door Mm mm-hmm And the furniture was all really old and shabby, like Mm. really obscure. She had all these funky little books lying around, like all these cannabis cooking books and stuff like that. So we were having a little laugh and she's like, she's a creepy, kooky woman. Mm. So anyway, we're exhausted from the long drive. We settle in, pick our rooms, unpack the car, go to sleep. Wake up the next morning and now we're on the land, right? We're up in northern New South Wales. Normally when I get get up to northern New South Wales, for me, it's like, ugh. It holds me. That land is my medicine. I just feel so rejuvenated and excited to be there and recharged. So I get up the next morning and I, and first of all, there's a peacock screaming outside and (laughs) Nat comes in and she's like, girl, have you heard the peacock? And I'm like, that's a peacock. And I walk into the (laughs) kitchen and there's this beautiful blue peacock sitting on the veranda, um, screaming for attention. Such a sweetie. So I feed him and I have a speak with him. It was really, really cute. Um, and you had to speak I, with him? I speak with him. Yeah. We had a, we had a good, had a good chat. convo? We got acquainted. Nice. Um, and then I went outside and stood on the veranda and I stood overlooking these be- this beautiful mountainous and bushy landscape. Visually absolutely stunning. But the first thing that I feel in my body overlooking that landscape is, I'm feeling it in my heart now. It's this feeling of like disconnect. Like visually I can see that this land is so beautiful 
but in my heart I feel nothing. And that's, that's a weird feeling. Especially for me. Yeah, because you get to a place and it's like, oh, this is so beautiful. And you close your eyes and none of that beauty is mirrored inside your body when it usually is. Normally you look at you look at something, it makes you feel good, you know? But this is very different. Yeah. So I the entire first day I was feeling that, you know, couldn't connect to the land. Was anyone else feeling that? I didn't voice it. Okay. But I just put it off to me missing you. Missing out on you being there. Right. Look, let's be real, guys. that was guys. quite a blow, right? That was quite a blow. Um, to the listeners, like Jesse and I have done long distance for two and a half years. He lived in Boston. I lived in Sydney. We've spent our fair share of time apart. And so this kind of situation opens up that old wound in me where it's like, I don't want to be apart from you if we yeah. don't have to be. Yeah. So anyway, that first day was spent settling in. Trying to settle in, connecting with the animals. You know, there was this beautiful peacock, there was cows, there was one big, beautiful bull, such a gentle sweetie, came up and came up and wanted scratches and laid his head in my lap and just was hugging and cuddling. An absolute sweetie, huge guy, big black bull. And he was that friendly? That friendly. Nice. And um, there was horses and it was really, really lovely. Um, and, you know, okay, so let's let's talk about the cabin, guys. Let's talk about the cabin. We gotta talk about the cabin. We gotta talk about I mean, the cabin. This episode is titled "The Haunted House." Picture this for me: a black, a jet black cabin that is over two hundred years old, that has not been restored. It's got a wraparound veranda on all four sides, and the wood is festering and rotting and splintering. And it's been put together a little shabbily. So there's like nails sticking out of the veranda at odd angles and really ramshackle furniture all around it. Now on the back veranda is where you'll find the bathroom. Yes, on the veranda. So this was Jesse's. Yeah, this is my thing when I saw the pictures. I like my toilets inside the house. I like my showers inside the house. Call me crazy, right? But I like to be in the bathroom. Um, not necessarily to take baths. I don't know why they still call it bathroom. You mainly go there to use the toilet. But anyway, that was the one one of the few things that made me feel like, ah, I don't really want to go here, guys. Let's pick a different place. Because, yeah, there's a toilet on the veranda, the shower's on the veranda. And it really was that. Yeah. Yeah, it really was that. So, <laughs> the yes, the bathroom's on the veranda. So there's a big open window overlooking the bush. To the left side, there's a wall. To the right side, there's a curtain separating the rest of the veranda from the bathroom. And then the, the back of the bathroom that connects to the house is a big glass door that leads straight to Nat and Dan's room. Now, the, the lady who owns the property has put a curtain over the bathroom overlooking the bush, a curtain over the door to the veranda, but not a curtain between the bathroom and the house. So when you use the bathroom, Nat and Dan from their bedroom can watch you shower or pee. So they can see. So that door is a glass door, and they yeah. can see right through it if yeah. you're in the shower. Yes. Or if you're on the toilet. Yes, and she could have easily put a curtain over it, but she's but, chosen and two specifically not to. There's two curtains in the vicinity. Yes. Yes. But not blocking the glass door. Yeah. Maybe they thought it was like adults in there, kids in the other room, and if the adults are with the ensuite, then they won't need to. Well. Kids are not actually allowed at the property because of the state that it's in. 
So that definitely right. was not the okay. assumption. Okay, so it's just a, just perhaps an odd placement of a curtain or lack of a curtain. It's just the lady being weird. All right, so we get to know more of that as time goes on. But I, mm. I found that to be a very Continue. interesting detail. Inside the cabin looks lovely, but it's old. Okay, it's old. It's the insides are still 200 years old. The kitchen's mean, like great gas stove, great appliances and stuff like that. But there's really not a great separation between inside and out. You could kick any one of the doors in easily because they're over 200 years old. And do they squeak and... Oh, I mean, the whole cabin squeaks and groans and moans every every step step. that you take. The the wood is rotting. It's got wood rot inside and out. And the doors Mm. have like big gaps under them. So there's... You know, day one, like day one, as we arrived at that nighttime, there was cockroaches, there was mice, um, a lot of stuff crawling around inside the house. A little really? Bit like, and yeah, but you know what? Like, mm. so, I mean, that, f- yeah. So the furniture inside was also a bit old looking. And what we did notice on that first day was um, this odd stain on the floor. Now in the kitchen floor, there's dark wood flooring and there is an ominously dark kind of reddish brown stain in the middle of the floor, oil, oily brown stain. In the kitchen. In the kitchen. And there's two <laughs> drag marks that drag from the kitchen towards the back door. Yes, it does look like somebody was murdered in the kitchen then dragged to the back door. Why you would leave a stain like that lying around? I don't know. Was it part of this woman's charm? Okay, sure, but how did that stain get there? We don't know. We did mm. have a laugh about it. We also did question it. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a funky thing. It was I, a funky thing. It yeah. was an interesting, quirky addition to wow. the home. I, I feel like I would see that and be like, all right, guys, pack up. Let's go. Jesse Jesse would have arrived on the first night and then gotten straight back in the car and driven away. I mean, yeah. even... Yeah, motel, whatever's nearby, yeah, and getting out of here. He like, wouldn't... It wasn't... It wasn't welcoming and yeah, anyway. So interesting. So <laughs> continue. We went out and about that day. And um we came back in the evening and you know, I'm feeling okay. I'm not I'm feeling Is this day two? Day two, yeah. Okay, I'm not gotcha. I'm not feeling settled. Again, I don't have that disconnection with the space and the land. But I think I'm still in a grief thing and I'm still unsettled with you not being there, so but I'm okay, you know, I'm showering in the nighttime, overlooking the bush, not winding the curtain down. I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling safe. I'm mm-hmm. showering basically outside in the dark. Um, yep. And that night I give you a call and I'm talking to you on the phone. And I get off the phone and I go into the lounge room and I talk to Natalie and Dan. And Dan goes, did you hear that noise before? And I said, no, I didn't. And Dan goes, there was someone under the house. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, yeah, the, the, there, there was definitely someone under the house. They were, they, were doing some, they were doing something under the house. And I go, Dan, if there was someone under the house, you would have seen them walking with a torchlight to the house because it is pitch black outside and it's raining. And I forgot to mention that the power is going on and off. So I'm not painting enough of Wait, the mood. Really? Like, yeah, like that first day it was raining and it was gloomy and the power was cutting on and off. So we kept really? having issues with the power going on. In and so out. lights would just turn off randomly. Um, yeah, throughout the day into the evening, but by the nighttime it was kind of stable. But like mm. this had been happening. So is it provoked by the weather? Yeah, gotcha. by the rain. Um, but I said to him, hundred percent, nobody would just walk up to the house in the dark. It's not possible. It's what about pitch the animals? Black. Yeah, so that's what I said. I said it must have been an animal. 
And now what, what I haven't mentioned is that Dan and Nat are very logical beings. They're scientists. They're very much in the realm of practicality and skepticism. And they don't believe in anything sort of crazy. They don't jump to crazy conclusions. So, And let's just say as well, they are highly intelligent people, really good at what they do um, and are not necessarily in the esoteric and energetic um, way of thinking that this podcast uh, speaks a lot about. Yes. So continue. Yeah. So I say to Dan, I say it must have been, it must have been an animal because there is an underside to the house because it kind of slopes down onto the hill. And so there's a big undersection of the house. And Dan goes, yeah, yeah, I guess it could have been an animal except that they were really big specific noises. Like somebody was doing something down there. And the way he described it was someone was doing down something down there with purpose, you know? Right. Okay. And I said to him, okay. Like banging or like moving like things? Like moving things. Oh. And I said to him, that's really weird. Contact the lady. Mm. Ask her if she was under the house. Yeah. So Dan contacts the lady, hey, well, you're under the house. And she responds with the emoji that is like the teeth face emoji that's like... Yeah, like the dull eyes and like confused but like nervous. Yeah, like the nervous, yeah, the nervous, nervous face. Emoji, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we no, she didn't say any other words. She no. just sent that emoji. Just nervous face emoji. So we were a bit like <laughs> nervous laughter like why would you answer like that? But okay then. Um whatever. So So you just brushed it off. We brushed it off. I had a great sleep that night. I had mm. a great sleep the first night actually the night we arrived. The second so that night after that, I didn't sleep well. It had nothing to do with anything that had occurred. I just had a restless night. But I didn't hear anything in the night, no bumps, no creaks, no nothing. It was five nights all up, right? It was five nights all up. Yeah. Right. So this is night 2. So day 3 is New Year's Eve. We decide to get out and about. And now because Jesse couldn't make it, I've invited one of my favorite human beings in the whole entire planet, the only person who could ever get close to replacing Jesse, Priya, my love. I invite her to come join us in northern New South Wales. And being the absolute goddess that she is, the absolute gift that she is, she says, yes, sure, I'll drive 10 hours to join you in this random place in the middle of nowhere. Um, what a legend. What a legend. That's so, what I was saying as well. If anyone can replace me and... Like fill the fill that vibe well. Fill the hole in my heart. Yeah. It's her. <laughs> yeah, it's her. <laughs> so she drives up to meet us. So we drive off the property that day, New Year's Eve, to go and meet her and have a frolic about Byron Hinterlands, just going out and about. And this is the day when the omens really start to kick in. Mm. So there was a moment in the morning where I had the opportunity to use my intuition and say no to one of the places we were going to go. And I didn't listen to that. No. So we ended up at that place and I had another opportunity to use my intuition and not get a certain meal that I thought was going to be crap. And I wanted the other meal and then I ignored my intuition and I got the shitty meal. And it was a mush. It was like a beautiful looking mushroom quiche. Have you ever had a mushroom quiche that tasted like crap, Jesse? I have never had a bad quiche. Or maybe I have one, have had one, but like mushroom quiche tastes Godly. The mushrooms in this, I, I love mushrooms. I will eat, uh, give me any type of soil? mushroom, uh, you know, field mushroom, button mushroom, magic mushroom. Give it to me. I will eat it raw. Like I love mushrooms, but I don't know what it was about this mushroom. It was dank. 
Nobody liked it. it was, was it oyster mushrooms? I don't know. It because was just it had a so thing with oyster mushrooms dang. one time. Yeah, I think it might. It was that kind of <laughs> day. It tastes a little bit fishy. Yes. Yeah. That was only one of get, two times in my life I've not liked mushrooms. And I, I typically do like oyster mushrooms, but I've known oyster mushrooms to get a little bit fish tasting when you keep them in the fridge for too long. Yeah. So look, if I should have listened to the no from the mushrooms, let's be real. When the mm. mushrooms say no, you listen to the no. Mm-hmm. Omen number three on that day. Oh, there was four omens on that day. Oh my God. Omen number three involved my vehicle. Now, this was a really big omen. I don't want to go into the story, but basically it wasn't a car crash, nothing dangerous or anything like that. But something happened to my car that made me say, I am fucking over this trip. I'm really over this trip. Like I've tried really hard to keep myself positive and, you know, I've not been connecting to the land and this house is a little creepy and quirky. Now I've got this fucking thing that happened to my car. Anyway, I had like a big emotional breakdown that had a big cry um my beautiful friends pulled me out of it I pulled myself together I got my head straight I'm like okay I've had my moment I'm fine I'm sorry guys let's just say and clarify you damaged your car I damaged my car yeah yeah yeah. um and again if I'm not listening to my intuition and (laughs) omen number four also involved my car we all we almost ran out of gas um and up up north where we were staying, because it was like a 50 minute drive from any local town. If you have less than like 80, 80 kilometers worth of petrol left in your car, you need to keep an eye on that shit because you might run out on the way to and from the property with even that much gas. Like it's something our city siders don't like take for granted, you know? So we spent all of New Year's Eve basically until midnight, just running around, trying to find a jerry can, trying to fill petrol, driving from town to town. Like it was absolute chaos. It was absolutely exhausting. And so the last thing we wanted guys is to arrive back at the house after dark, because remember what I said, the dirt roads, the, the, the hills and the creepy signposts and gate one and gate two and the Creek, like to get from the road to the cabin takes about 20 minutes of driving through pitch black nothingness. And it's not comfortable and it's really dark and it's really, it's a trek, you know, like once you're at the property, you really don't want to leave because it's such a trek. And once you're out, you really don't want to go back because it's like, oh my God, it's a whole thing. <laughs> you don't just duck in and out of the property. Right. So we, the last thing we want is to get there after dark, but lo and behold, we end up going there back after dark. So Nat and Dan are in my car and I'm with Priya. And as I'm driving back to the property, she's like, so tell me about this place. And I'm like, Priya. I don't know what it is, girl. Like, you know me, I love Northern New South Wales. And me and Pri had had just had a trip up north a few months prior. I kept saying to her, this is nothing like that. For some reason, Pri, I don't feel connected to the land. I don't feel connected to the space. I don't feel held. I haven't been able to meditate, to do yoga, to drop in. Journal. Something just feels off about it. Any of your practices, Any of my they practices. weren't working. Yeah, I didn't feel grounded, settled. I didn't feel like myself. And I think I kind of creeped her out when we were going in. She started to feel quite unsettled. Mm. Anyway, we got to the cabin and she's like, this is cuter than I thought it was, you know? Like, I th- we're gonna be, it's, I'm going I'm to be okay here. But what I noticed that night is that I was sleeping in my room. Across the hall, Nat and Dan were sleeping in the other room. And, and in the, the hallway connected to the lounge room. And that's where Priya was going to sleep. And she was feeling really unsettled. She kept trying to find a corner to sleep in. She kept trying to find a perfect spot. She kept moving stuff and fussing around. And she couldn't find the perfect place to sleep. Finally, she settled on turning the couch to face our hallways and our bedroom doors. And sleeping as close to us as she could on, on that space. 
So we wake up the next morning and she's like, girl, this place is beautiful. It's so beautiful in the daylight. You made it sound creepy. Like it's actually, I feel really nice here. It's lovely. So after the big day that we had had the day before, especially for me with all of the car stuff and missing my boy, it's now New Year's Day. And, you know, I didn't even mention like New Year's Eve was nothing for us. I came back, I ate a tuna sandwich and I went the fuck to sleep. (laughs) It was such a day the day before with all the car stuff and the petrol. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. I just need to sleep. (laughs) And so New Year's Day, we decided to do nothing because we were like, we need to rest. And we really haven't spent time just in the house, just on the land. A 10-hour drive is quite quite a strenuous feat on the human body. It's absolutely exhausting, very ungrounding. And then if you drove all around the the day before New Year's Day. Yeah. And again, it's like... 50 minutes to get anywhere and mm. then 50 minutes back. So there's, we're just exhausted. So if you're exploring, it's like good to have a day to chill at home. Yeah. At whatever the home day. was for that yeah. period. And it's interesting because we, and when we had kind of planned this trip, we had not planned to really go out and about. The idea was, you know, for rest the, and relaxation, rest and relaxation, yeah, like Jesse, for you to be there and for us to just be in that space, just go out every like just hang a out. few days, but just hang out, cook yeah. food, go for swims if we can just yeah. walk around the property. It's a big property. Yeah. Almost a hundred acres. So it's a big property. Wow. There's a lot to explore. Yeah. Seriously. So we decided to stay home. And after the day I've had yesterday, I'm actually starting to feel sick. I'm feeling really, really down. And as we settle into that day, this is where things start getting a little heavy. I notice that Priya is trying to sit on the veranda and then trying to come inside. And Priya, let me paint a picture. She's going to be on the podcast soon, guys. So get mm-hmm. get ready for this beautiful spirit. But she is so divinely and devotionally connected to herself, to spirit, to the land, to just connected full stop. She is very deeply embedded in her practices, in her rituals, in her devotion. So to see her unable to drop into her devotional practice unsettled me. She was kind of going from place to place, trying to drum, trying to sit, trying to move, not quite feeling it. And then I too was feeling really off in my body, heavy, dense, lethargic. I had a headache that I realized I didn't know how long I'd had it for, but it really started to set in on day four. And I was outside on the veranda trying yet again, and not for the first time to do my yoga. And it's hard enough to find a place on the veranda that isn't rotting to put my mat down. And finally I find a place, but I just can't get into it. And I mean, I tried for like 40 minutes and it's so unlike me Mm. to not be able to drop into some sort of practice. So as we settle into this day, we have some great chats, some great connective moments between the four of us, but What we start to pick up on is that this cabin is dank. It's festering inside and out. The furniture inside the house is old. And I mean, some of it looks like it's been picked up from on the street. It's got black mold. There's other types of mold growing on the furniture. There's like algae in the coffee machine. Um, You never had algae in coffee? It's delicious. (laughs) You would have loved it. You should have been there. Um, No, I shouldn't have. Everything's really old and musty and there seems to be no energy flow in the house. And you just, you know, we, we, we all started to get really lethargic, really, really just slow and tired. And I think at least two of us had headaches. I think Nat was still stuffy and sick from something she picked up on the way down on the way up the coast to the property and I had developed some sort of sickness. So 
yeah, it was starting to get slow and dank. And, you know, none of us are really walking around the property much. We're just kind of lazing around. And anyway, so we had one of those days. And in the evening, I was on the phone to Jesse. It's my normal routine now. And Nat and Priya say we're going to walk down to the stone circle. Oh, I forgot to mention the stone circle. So guys, on the way up the driveway, just just past a creepy signpost, you will find to your right a circular formation of about eight to ten giant stones in a circle with a bunch of sticks in the middle. And it's big, okay? Anybody looking at that place would be like that is some sort of ritual circle. That is some sort of stonehenge witchy-ass-looking shit. <laughs> Without a doubt. But I assumed it was some kind of fire pit. So I was on the phone to Jesse. It was twilight. It was evening. The sun was setting. Nat and Priya said, we're going to go for a walk to the Stone Circle. Do you want to come? Now me, I'm always down to explore the land. But in that moment, I was just like, no, you guys go ahead. And Jesse's like, what are you doing? Go be social. Get off the phone. Mm. And I said, nah, like I might join them later. So I continued to talk to Jesse. So when the sun goes down, I get off the phone to Jesse. I come back into the lounge room and Nat and Priya are back. And they say... So we went to the circle and they look a little flustered. And I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. So this is me telling their story. They walked to the circle and it was getting dark by then. And they took a torch and they walked down there and they stopped just before the circle. And there's a white owl kind of standing there watching them on a tree, sitting there on a tree and watching them. And they're like, wow, white, white owl. And he's just sitting there watching them. And then he flies from tree to tree, tree to tree, kind of circling the perimeter of the circle, some sort of a guardian type energy or I don't know, but they just got this feeling from the owl and from the circle that was like, don't come any closer. So they're standing there quietly observing the circle. Priya is very tuned in, dropped in, very open to the spirit world. Natalie, like we mentioned, you're very rational, scientist. very skeptical. She's a scientist, but she is her own level of tapped in. Yeah. She's she's felt things before. Absolutely. Yeah. She doesn't like to admit it. She doesn't like to live that <laughs> realm, but she's tapped in. Women, you know, sometimes we just, everyone has it, but especially women can really mm. be tuned into this. So, And I'll also add that her family, like grandmother and mother, both yes. have psychic abilities. Psychic abilities. And she's just grown up around that. So yes. yeah, she is very tuned in. Yeah. Um, so they both get this feeling, don't come any closer. And they're looking kind of How at the trees. How far away are they from it? Um, they're at the circle, but not in the circle. So, so they're they standing on the periphery. Okay. Yeah. They okay. didn't go, they didn't go just to the stones, just overlooking it. And they're looking at the trees. So there's like dense forest behind the stone circle. And Nat described them as, it looks like there was portals there, like dark black portals. Mm. And they both were like, we feel like we need to leave. So they turned around and they start walking back towards the property. I'm getting goosebumps. And neither one of them mention it, but Priya's, Priya keeps stopping and turning around and shining the torch behind her because she feels like something's following her. And Natalie also feels like something's walking with them back towards the house. Now they see the beautiful, friendly black bull on the way back down to the house. And they go, hey, guy, how you doing? And the bull looks frightened and he's looking next to Natalie and he's got this wild look in his eyes. 
to the point where he charges them a little. Like he runs at them or he chases them or he staunches them. Get away from me. So he's terrified by something. He's next terrified to by that something. He charges all of them. Yeah. And they go back to the house. And I think he like didn't chase them back to the house, but he kind of like charged them twice, like get away and then follow them down and chase them back towards the house. And so they came back to the house and they both can't shake the feeling that they were followed. Mm. So I'm like, oof, creepy. I'm low-key glad I didn't go there. So I went to sleep that night, slept like a baby. I woke up in the morning. Priya, how'd you sleep? And Priya says to me, not well. And I go, why? And she goes, Danica, there was something walking on the veranda all night. And it was big and it was loud. And I think it sounded like a cow or a horse because it was really, really big. But there was no clip-clopping of hooves. I just heard the thud and the vibrations. We Guys, the horses and the cows don't walk on the veranda, okay? But that's just what she described to me. So I'm like, holy shit, girl. Nat wakes up. Nat, how did you sleep? Not good. I feel like there was something outside that followed us back from the house. To the house, from the circle, to the point that Nat had to take Dan to the toilet with her. Remember, guys, that I mentioned that their bedroom was connected to the bathroom. Yeah, so like Dan could watch her door. pee and shower. You watch, yeah. He could watch her. She could see him. He could see her. But she needed him to come with her outside to shower and pee because she could feel something watching her from the dark. That's like two meters from the bed they were sleeping in, right? Yeah. But yeah, the bathroom's there. So like Mm. the big black window overlooking the bush, she felt like there was something out there watching. Whoa. So that happened. And this is where things continue to get worse and worse. (laughs) We go out that day. We feel like we need to get the F out of this house. Mm -hmm. And we go and we have... Look, look, look. We do our best to go have a beautiful day out and about. All of us are feeling a certain level of not quite ourselves. I still haven't been able to drop into my practice, do meditation, yoga, journaling, nothing. Priya hasn't been able to drop into her practices. Nat's still feeling a bit sick. I'm feeling a bit sick. Now, me, Nat and Priya all have migraines. Dan's feeling his own version of off. We're lethargic, we're low, but we go and meet up with one of my beautiful friends who lives in northern New South Wales. She's like this little beautiful pixie fairy energy, this light, light being. She vibes us all up and poor thing, we come to her like half dead. But anyway, we have a good frolic in the land up around there, have a good swim. And every time we get out and about, we start to feel like lighter, lighter, and Mm. we cleanse in the fresh waters. And and we were up around Mwilimbara that day. And I just remember, because that's where Pri and I had stayed in the trip that I mentioned a few months beforehand. And I just felt this feeling of like, ah, the land up here is so supportive and so nourishing. This is what I've missed. Why aren't I getting that back where we're staying? Why aren't I getting that? I'm going to interject this story, you guys, just to share a little bit about the trip that me and Priya had gone on a few months beforehand. Priya and I had stayed in an Airbnb with a fellow friend of ours for also six days. And this was also an old Airbnb on the land. And increasingly during the nights that we stayed there, we would hear walking through the house. We would hear footsteps from the front door all the way out the back door. And all three of us would hear it. All three of us would hear it on different nights at different times, depending on when we were awake. So one of my friends who was sleeping in the back room heard one head of set of heavy footsteps walk out the back door and onto the veranda and outside. So that kind of spooked her. For me, it was never like a bad feeling or heavy feeling. It's just like general footsteps walking through the house. How loud 
do you mean by footsteps? Like, like, like actual distinctly, human footsteps? actual human footsteps. Like to the point where we all thought that it was each other walking, but but then we realized there was just things just passing how, through the home. How fast were the footsteps? Like, like normal walking pace, not not hurried, not slow. And did it sound like they were wearing shoes? <laughs> no, feet. Just <laughs> Sorry, feet walking on wood floors. Yeah, good. Okay. Feet walking on wooden floors from the distinctly from the front to the back of the house. Hmm. But it never felt heavy. It never felt evil. It never felt scary, even though they weren't humans, even though there were spirits, because what else could it have been? Uh, it never felt scary. And to the point where me and my friend had to come back down to Sydney and Priya stayed two to three extra nights in that house alone and she was fine. She felt completely safe and comfortable mm, to stay there. Okay. So just for reference, we'd been on that trip a few months prior. Now we were making our way back from that beautiful day, you know, swimming in the Creek with that friend of ours. And we decided to go back to the property. And how can I explain to you guys that as we start to make our way back to the property, I'm closing my eyes and I'm listening to music and I'm just vibing and I'm chilling and trying to be in my body. But as soon as the tires hit the gravel, I get this sick feeling in my gut, this sick feeling of like, I don't want to go back there. And this is like a visceral, I'm getting goosebumps now because that feeling made me feel so sick, like, like so gutted. Like a sinking feeling of dread. Yeah. Sinking feeling of dread. I'm not an easily scared person. This was not because I had heard their story, Priya and Nat's story. It was because I just got this feeling in my gut. As we arrive back at this house, we're all in a visible mood. Like we're all, we all look pretty sullen. Like nobody wants to be there, but nobody's quite vocalizing it. We're just in a certain way. Now this was day five and everyone, this was my nightmare night number one, my bad night number one. So this night I go to sleep and I am woken up by the feeling of heavy thudding footsteps walking around the house it's an old house it's over 200 years old there's wood rot there's old creaky floorboards so when somebody is walking inside the house you feel the vibrations and you hear the queaks the queaks the squeaks and the creaks yeah (laughs) and you know that there's somebody walking around so at first i'm like what are they doing go to sleep guys come on like it's nat and dan like what are they doing go to sleep and then a little bit later thud thud walk walk Creek, creek. I'm How like, frequent are you talking? Um, I can't. I couldn't even tell you. You weren't looking because at the clock. just yeah, I wasn't looking at the clock. Mm. And then I'm hearing this like over and over, over and over, and I'm convinced that they're walking around in there and they're being so insensitive, not even <laughs> thinking of me sleeping in the next room and walking around <laughs> loudly, like stomping around. I'm like, what are they doing? Like stomping as hard as you can. Yeah, or? yeah, like stomping. Like not walking, like stomping around or like really like heavy footsteps. But wasn't Priya in that living room? I also thought it was maybe Priya walking around and stuff like that. Um, So, and then it's all a bit of a blur. So you have to bear with me guys. And then, so I'm falling asleep and waking up, falling asleep and waking up, hearing these noises. And at some point I start to realize that it can't be people walking around. So I'm starting to get this feeling of like, I think there's something else walking around. But anyway, I go to sleep because this is me. I'm just like, I just want to sleep. I just want to sleep. And then I get woken up by the sound. Imagine that somebody, there's wooden floors and somebody picks up a pebble and holds it above their head and then opens their fingers and drops it. And it goes as it lands. Right. And Priya goes, yeah. 
did you guys hear that? And I say, yeah, I heard that. And Nat goes, yeah, we heard that. That was outside my window. And then I start dozing off. And then again. Like the pebble bouncing away. Like the pebble is being picked up and falling again. Mm. And then about five minutes later, as I start dozing off again, I hear it again. And all amongst this dazed night of footsteps walking and pebbles falling outside my window, there's tapping in my room, like tap, knock, tap, kind of like a on the wall and then a on the mirror and then a on the glass. Like there's just periodic tapping. There is activity. There is just activity that is relentless and that will not stop inside my room, inside the house and outside my window. And the footsteps and shuffling and squeaking got so loud at one point that I was absolutely positive that Priya went to sleep in Natalie and Damien's room. Because I swear I heard doors opening and stuff like that. And so I was like, Priya's gone to sleep with them because she can't listen to this shit because she is shit scared and she needs to go sleep in someone's room. Mm. I had said to her, if you're scared, come and sleep in one of our rooms. Yeah. So I got up the next morning and I was shocked to find Priya sleeping on the couch. And I said, Priya, did you sleep here last night? And she says, yes, I did. And Nat and Dan wake up and I said, were you guys walking around last night? And they said, not at all. And I said, Priya, did you walk around last night? They said, not at all. And Nat and Dan said, were you walking around all last night? And I said, not at all. Turns out not a single one of the four of us left our beds that night. But we all heard walking throughout the night. So that is when shit really got real for me for for prayer and nat it was the night before it feels like i i don't know they they i believe they felt like whatever was walking inside the house that night felt different from what was outside mm. but i got this vibe that like things were outside the night before and that night things were inside now this is day six and things are really starting to get heavy the lethargy is in a full swing. We are zonked. We are slow and tired and stagnant. And we can't seem to get moving. No yoga, no meditation, no walks around the almost 100 acres of property. We're just like, I don't know. Maybe it was a combination of the mold and the wood rot and the algae and the festering wood, the festering nature of the house, the fact that it's black and it's old and it's wooden and it's hot outside and it's just sucking in light and heat. But there is, this is where I'm going to get real with you guys. Like there is an energy to this cabin and to this house and to this property and to this land and to this town that we were staying in of just being sucked in and held there. It starts with, the town, something about it, like I said, the land doesn't speak to me. Something about it being in the butt crack of two national parks, but not quite in either one of them, you know? And then like this drive to get the in there, like just it being so far away from the main road. And then once you're there, it's like so far to leave that you just kind of get stuck there. And then the house, like we just don't seem to be getting out of the house. And so on that day six, because of the crazy night we had just had we were freaked but in daylight everything feels different right yeah but, but we you're were exhausted i assume right? but we were exhausted and at this point 
two of us were sick and three of us, no, all four of us had experienced at least multiple day headaches at some point, including Dan. Mm. We had, Dan had a migraine. He said, I've had it for the last three days. Like we all had headaches and we kept saying we need to get out of the house today. Poor Priya was especially spooked. We need to get out of the house today. So was, so was Nat. We need to get out of the house today. And then breakfast comes and it swings by and we're still sitting around and it's, we need to get out of the house today. We really need to get out of the house and lunchtime comes around and it swings by and we don't even eat. We keep skipping meals. You know, I keep skipping meals. Like I, I'm, I'm running on such low energy throughout this entire trip, but we just don't cook and we just sit around and we just sit and we just kind of have some chats, but then things start getting quieter and quieter and we walk and sit on the veranda and then we come back inside and we just sit. And then we're, we're saying we need to get out of the house. We, I feel like, and we're starting to voice it. We, I'm feeling like I'm getting stuck here. I'm feeling like we're, we get stuck here. We need to just get off the land, get out and go, get to the road and decide where to go from there. Cause there's no reception in here. Like we just need to get out. And then it's like one and we've not gone anywhere. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on, guys? Like, and at this point, Nat and Dan go, okay, this is getting ridiculous. Like, let's at least go have a picnic. Let's go and sit on the grass and get outside of the house at least. So we pack up this little picnic. It's really, really cute. And we go and we walk outside and we say, let's go visit the stone circle in the daytime just to see what it's all about. So I walk down there and I've assumed this entire time that it's a fire pit because there's some stones and there's some sticks and stuff in the middle. But upon walking down there in the daytime, it doesn't feel scary in the daytime. It looks beautiful. The lawn is mowed in a circle around it. And there's like beautiful trees and butterflies flying around. Um, But what I notice is that there's about 10 stones and some of them are, they're big, big enough to stand on or sit on. Some of them are flat and some of them are pointed. The ones that are pointed, you obviously can't sit on. The ones that are flat, have stones stacked one on top of the other and sometimes multiple stacks of stones on top of them as if don't sit here and then in the middle where the sticks are it's not like a fire pit like it's in the middle it the sticks kind of extend all the way to the stones and it's like a big pile of rubble so there's like there's there's a fire pit elsewhere on the property that is a fire pit you know but this is not a fire pit and I don't know what the fuck it is But we go there and, you know, I think Nat just does this little like, hey, whatever we may have disrupted by coming here that night, like, let's just say sorry and leave it be. You stay here now. I'm going to go my way. So we go to a field kind of opposite the stone circle. We set up our little picnic. And now just looking around, let me paint yet another scene for you guys. This lady has, you know, like she's done a few weird things since we've been there that really irked me. For example, one night when we were returning to the property, she had late at night put all of the numbers on the lock to the first gate. The four-digit code. The four-digit code. She had turned them all back to zero. The whole time we had been there, including the first night we got there, she'd only ever moved one number. Why now go through the effort of fiddling with the lock in the night to turn it all back to zero? I can't explain why that irks me so much. It just did um it's one of the least creepy details of the story yeah but i think it was actually when we were trying to leave the gate one night so that was like a weird thing and then another weird detail is that there was like one big empty field that one day we woke up and looked out and she had set up like a white 
white metal table with chairs and a white tablecloth in the middle of the field for nobody. It's not a field that we access. It's not a field that we saw anybody go to. And over the next few days, the chairs just proceeded to knock over and the tablecloth blow away. And it was like, a like, why would you do that? Okay. So we were like watching the, we we're looking from our picnic area, that weird thing and just discussing that. So me, so we were, we were at that picnic for less than 10 minutes when Dan says, I'm hot guys. I want to go back inside. And we go, all right, go. If you need to go inside, go. And I was like, God, like the last thing I want to do is go back inside the house. But it's like, somebody's been pulled back into the house. Okay, then. So then again, we've been there for like less, 10 minutes maybe. And one of the horses comes over and this horse has been a little nosy from the start. He likes to stick his head in our boot of the car and look around and try to look for food and stuff like that. But this horse starts coming up and trying to look for food. He's going through our bag, he's rummaging through, and then he starts to bite the bags then he starts to throw them around then he starts to pick up the blankets and move them around then he starts to use his hoofs to kind of like he starts to ram ramsack our picnic and, and it starts to get scary because he's really big and he's coming at us and normally horses know how big they are and how small humans are but he's got yeah. no concept of that and it gets so bad that he kind of starts like chasing Priya for carrots and like she doesn't have any more food but he's chasing her around and she's really flighty and startled and we end up basically having to pick up all of our gear and go back into the house less than 15 minutes of being outside of the house <laughs> nice picnic eh? and we just get this feel i i get this feeling of how the fuck are we back in the house yeah we have taken all day to get out of the house how the fuck are we back in here so what I time say, is it at this point it's about let's say two so i say to Priya, prayer we need to get the fuck out of the house and she says we really do what do we do we end up sitting. We're in the lounge room and all four of us are sitting. And now it's pretty much radio silence. And we're just sitting in this festering house with no airflow. And it's so dense and dank that we've opened every single door and window to the point where there are wasps and giant buzzing insects flying around our house, horse flies and big hornets. And we don't even care because we are just trying to get some energy flowing in the house but we can't seem to move. And then I go, I get frustrated and I walk out onto the balcony, onto the veranda. And then I just sit and stare at the mountain and my, in my, in myself, I'm like frustrated. We need to go. We need to go. But then I just end up sitting and staring. And then, you know, people in the lounge room would nod off and then they'd wake up and then they'd sit and they'd be silent. And it was about three 30 when Priya and I finally looked at each other and we're like, let's get the fuck out of here. Again, shivers, full body shivers. Something was happening to us where we were just getting sucked in and stuck there. And, you know, Priya was like wheezing and I was coughing and Natalie is coughing. Like we're just getting heavy and gross. And Priya and I get out and we find this sacred creek and we dip in it and we just feel so cleansed and so rejuvenated. Like it is, we just can't believe how different we feel once we're out there out of there. Anyway, that night we do everything to avoid going back to the house. We actually stayed up till after dark. And again, the last thing we want to do is get back to the house at night. Can you imagine at this point, we've had those two nightmare nights. The last thing we want to do is make that 20 minute drive back to this house in the dark house in the dark. And, but all of us would rather stay out until dark than be back there. So we do everything we can to make it, you know, stay out in these little 
you know, middle of nowhere towns that are all closed and nobody's around. And finally we make our way back to the, to the house. And again, this feeling of doom, this feeling of dread sets upon us and everyone is so unsettled and so resistant to going back there. And we get back there at around 1030 at night and Priya is so unsettled. And this is actually, this is our last night there. This is our final night. So this is one, the last hurrah. Okay. And I say, guys, it's one more night. We can do this. We can do this. Or what I hadn't mentioned is that that day, uh, the day before, actually the day before. So that was my nightmare night the night before, um, the night when Nat and Priya had first heard the things walking around that day, when we went to meet my friend in Moolambar area, Nat had gone out and bought herself a sage smudge stick and two crystals, which is completely unheard of for her to help her feel more safe and protected in that space. Can you imagine? So she was feeling a little bit stronger. She's got her crystals. She's got her smudge. She's like, no, I can do this. This is my last night. I can do this. But Priya, I have never seen my girl so out of her depth. She has dealt with spirits before. She has dealt with spooks. She has dealt with dankness and scary horror shit. But for some reason, she just can't do this place. And I kept saying to her, come sleep in my room. Come sleep in my room. Go sleep in Nat and Dan's room. Like there's a spare bed there. You don't have to sleep in the couch, uh, on the couch in the lounge room. And poor thing, like what I didn't mention is that she's sleeping in the lounge room facing away from three walls of black windows that just look out onto nothing. So can you imagine hearing footsteps inside and out and just knowing that there are all these black windows all around you? You know, I was going to bring that up before because essentially what you were describing as the living room where those heavy steps were loudly, you know, bothering you guys in the nighttime that's essentially like centimeters from where Priya was sleeping, yeah. right? So she would have heard it the loudest, yeah. A, and B, it was technically right behind her. Yeah. And around her. And around her. And, and, you're and in front of her. And oh. and there's like, there's like a mirror in front of where she's sleeping, reflecting the windows back at her. So, so wait, obviously she, she's... Copping at the worst. Copping at the worst and also... The closest to it physically. So however much sleep you guys got, Priya got less. Yeah. And <laughs> it's any wonder why she would even consider staying another day yeah. after that. But then also, it, I don't know, what like, what do you do in that situation? Did she just try and sleep? She or? just kept trying to sleep. And and that's the thing. Like when, you're, when you go Insane. through that experience, you feel a little bit safer when you're in a bedroom. Nat and Dan were together. I was in a bedroom in a bed. Mm. But poor thing was out there feeling so exposed. Extremely feeling like prey. Exposed. Yeah. You know? You literally are prey. And then think of the combination of like the house making you sick because of all the black mold and shit. And then like the heat of the house and then whatever weird energy is on the property. And then the fear. And then the exhaustion of not being able to sleep at night, wearing us down little by little, day by day. So we get back to the house and at 11 at night, Priya decides that she would rather drive literally anywhere and sleep in her car than stay another night in that house. That was a good decision, I reckon. And she is so spooked that we have to drive, escort her in our car back down the driveway past that stone circle because she is so uncomfortable with driving past there. 
back out the two gates to help her get back to the road. And she goes and she sleeps at the creek that her and I swam at that day. Oh, and that just creek, in her car? Yeah, just in her car. That creek is in the middle of a valley, in the middle of nowhere with nobody around. But she felt safer there than she did in a house with us. So that night, our final night, me, Nat and Dan come back to the house and we decide to turn on every single light in the house because how can what I can't explain to you guys is the feeling of dread that we have, that we have been worn down, we are exhausted, we have headaches, we feel sick. This sick feeling in our gut and this fear that we cannot shake, something feels off. It feels like something's here, something's sucking us in, something wants us to stay, something is trying to hold us here, to... The word possession came up a few times and we laughed about it, but Priya was really feeling that, you know, what if it's wearing us down to just come into us, you know, because every night, every day we were feeling worse and worse, tighter and tighter, less and less like ourselves. So that night, the three of us decided to put every light on in the house and to sleep with the TV on playing music on the classical, classical music channel, ABC, classical music all night. I'm go- I've got goosebumps right now because going to sleep that night at around 11 o'clock, the, or like midnight, I think the music, like the, the broadcast ends. And so what they play instead of the classical music broadcast is like these weird ambient tones. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm getting, I've got goosebumps. Can you <laughs> see them? So that night for me. Right. Okay. Comprises of Good tapping. Good choice, ABC. Yeah, (laughs) tapping and knocking all around my room and then periodically me being woken up by footsteps that sound like they are in my bedroom. Thud, thud, squeak, creak, creak and loud and loud, you know, loud and stomping footsteps. And I'd be woken up and then I'd just be hearing these ambient, weird ambient tones playing on the TV. And I'm fucking, it's, it's literally (laughs) thinking back to it is like a bad trip. And then there's knocking and tapping and I'm trying to sleep and then I'm hearing the footsteps and the ambient tones and they're, you know, it's over and over. And then. I, and then like, I've got this thing where every time this is happening, I have to put out this force field of fuck off, fuck off, whatever you are. I am here. You leave, go away and let me sleep, go away and let me sleep. And as I fall asleep, every time as I am falling asleep. So we had discussed before Priya left, we had all discussed that we were going to leave this house and at the front door and each gate, we were going to perform a cord cutting ritual to make sure that we leave and nothing comes with us and everything stays in the house. And so I am falling asleep and I'm dreaming that we are driving away and we've forgotten to do the cord cutting rituals. And and this is the thing, I'm not dreaming. This is like my visions as I'm falling asleep. So it's in that semi-conscious state. Pre-dreaming. Pre-dreaming. And then I wake up and I'm like, fuck no, 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 no. We are going to do the rituals. And then I'm falling asleep and thud, thud, thud. And then I wake myself up and then I'm falling asleep. And then I'm dreaming that we're driving away and I've left something in the house and we have to go back. And then I wake myself up and then I'm trying to fall asleep and then crack, crack and thud and tapping and and then I, and then the ambient tones and then I wake up and then I'm falling asleep and then I start seeing the circle and I see myself walking towards Wait, the stone circle the st- oh, right. and it's like 
the light of day and this sparkling, glimmering light and butterflies flying all around the circle and I'm walking towards it and then I wake myself up and I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I'm, not, I'm not going there in the nighttime. I'm not going there in the nighttime. Oh my God. And then there's the footsteps walking around me and then, and then I'm falling asleep again and again I see myself, I'm getting closer to the circle and now I'm trying to hold myself awake because I'm too scared to go to sleep but then now I'm too scared to stay awake because there's footsteps and this night, did not seem to end. I get up at 4.55 in the morning when my alarm goes off and I get out in the lounge room and I say, Nat and Dan, wake up. Let's get the fuck out of here. And again, I say to them, were you guys walking around all night? And they said, no, we didn't get out of bed. We got out of bed once to pee. And they said, I want Nat said, I wanted to ask you if you were walking around all night, but I know you weren't because you didn't need to use the bathroom and I just know it wasn't you. And I was like, Dan, you were hearing all of that too, right? And he's like, yeah, I heard all of it. So we pack our shit and we, we check every nook and cranny of the house and we choose not to leave a single hair behind. And we close the front door and we do a cord cutting ritual and we drive to the first gate and we do a cord cutting ritual. We drive to the second gate and we do a cord cutting ritual and we get the fuck out of there and we never look back. We keep driving and we're driving and we're driving. The sun comes up and we're like, oh my God, we're out. And the further away we're getting, the better we're feeling. So we get down to Coffs Harbour. And we stop for a feed and Nat pulls out her phone and she just happens to look up the history of this little town that we stayed in. And she sees not very much except that the name of the town is derived from an indigenous word that means grave. Oh my God, that is ridiculous. That is, the implications of that are really terrifying. But let me just add a few little bits and pieces that we've picked up on in the kind of days and weeks following. So... Priya also shared that the stone circle sounds like something that comes from an indigenous culture where they have a, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher the explanation, but something like a circle of like a ritual circle that represents each of the directions, north, south, east, west, northeast, etc. the compass. And they place rocks on top of each stone so that nobody is allowed to sit there except for the head of the circle. So what if that was an indigenous stone circle on that property? And then combined with the indigenous word for grave, there seems to be some sort of indigenous history in that space. There's another thing where the indigenous peoples say that you should never live in the shadow of a mountain. Really? There was something about that place. I kept calling it the butt crack. It wasn't (laughs) quite in the shadow of a mountain, but there was mountains in every every kind of direction. And it felt like you were living kind of at the foothills of all of these mountains and something about it fell off. So for me, I guess you could take it very literally. Like, was it a ancient burial site for the indigenous peoples of that land? Was there a massacre there that gave it that name? Or for me, it's just this feeling of, did the indigenous peoples feel that there was something off about this land, that it had the energy of a graveyard? I can't tell you what the answer is, but there is something off with that land it's a combination of the history of the land and then a potential disrespect by the owner of that property and a disrespect and a lack of honoring of the indigenous history of the land combined with this owner has purchased a property that is over 200 years old that had this abandoned shack on it that she has not efficiently restored that has its own dank story i don't know what it is but something 
about that shack, something about that stone circle is off. Something about that property is off. And then her playing into all of that creepy, kooky, zombie, scary, creepy stuff is not helping. It's funny until your place is actually haunted. It's funny until you're in bed trying to sleep for the fourth night in a row and you're hearing hard, heavy footsteps around your bed, around yeah. your in your living room. And I, honestly, I don't know how the hell I would have ex- been in, in, that, in that experience. I just would have left on the first day. It proves personally. to me that Jesse's intuition is so crystal clear and his body was like, I am not putting myself in that situation. And while you guys were, were suffering mentally, emotionally and spiritually... I was suffering physically. I could not move. I probably didn't eat for like four or five days, except for maybe a couple bites of food here and there. It was awful what I went through. And I think your guys' one was just a horrible, different kind of awful. Different kind of awful. And you know what? You mentioned the burial ground before. Isn't that like a common theme in horror movies? Yeah. Like never to sleep on a burial ground. I know know at one point even South Park did a whole bit about um, like putting it... uh, a house up or a shop up on a burial ground yes. and how it became haunted. Yeah. But that makes a lot of sense to me. When I heard the indigenous translation was grave, I immediately thought, oh, well, that makes sense. It's just a bit, you know, it's just some spirits. But then also there's this interesting thing that people say about haunting, um, which is when there's a murder that goes down, like an actual murder, which yeah. is indicative of... Um, what you guys saw on the in the kitchen um <laughs> that the person who was murdered or ends up haunting that space or yeah. is it the or is it the person who murders ends up haunting i don't know i don't understand it because i don't look into this stuff too much but maybe you've heard about it maybe you can yeah, speak everyone's to heard that it's the, yeah the ghost of the person who dies right, the house. right. It's just a typical old haunted story right do you think that was kind of what you know i can't make such a radical presumption it's just completely wild to make a presumption you could even there's just so many there's just so many possibilities and so i could many never tales. tell you what it is there's so many tales that but there's so many tales that point to similar things and have similar themes and so I'm just trying to connect some dots here in a way that makes those other tales, I guess, have some kind of validity. Because I've never heard a story like this. And one thing I'll just say as well is that Danica, when she was in you know, high school and after high school, she used to love with her and her friends to go to these places, haunted, abandoned places, looking for stuff like this. Yeah, even Priya said to me, Danica, I realize now that this was your dream creepy getaway. And I said, you know what? I realized this too. I know I manifested this somehow over the course of my lifetime, but please God, never again. Because here's the thing, guys. I dropped Nat and Dan back home after that long ass drive back down to Sydney. And I drove myself straight to Little Bay and it was pouring down rain and really, really cold. And I walked straight into the ocean, took my clothes off. Nobody was on the beach. And I just walked straight into the ocean and dived in. And I was like, ocean, cleanse me, hold me, like get this off of me. And when I landed back with Jesse, it took me a long time to come back to life. And I would say I was shell-shocked for weeks. Mm-hmm. Every time I told a story, I would tremble. I was really off. My heart was closed. I felt... I couldn't shake this feeling like this fear of having left something there or brought something back with me. Um, the haunting of the space really got to you. It really got to me. It and I think it got to everyone. It did. It did. It got to everyone. It threw everybody off. Um, Whether you're a believer or not, like 
you would be impacted by that severely. Yeah. And whether you're brave or not, Mm. you know, I'm brave, but I was very deeply impacted by that to the point where Jesse and I went camping this weekend. We just got back a couple of days ago. And only now after this amazingly rejuvenating and nourishing trip out bush, do I feel back to myself, back to my energy, back to my essence. And like, I can finally shake off that absolute nightmare of a time really was a nightmare it sounds like such a tumultuous trip you know I just can't imagine I've just been waiting to use that word I just learned that word um I've just been I probably used it wrong as well no you you used it perfectly oh really that one I didn't really even like turbulent tumultuous yeah it just sounds like such an experience man like I would love to hear how that trip has changed the others forever because what that says to me is the impact of the spiritual realm is or can be and i would say is but to people who don't necessarily believe or interact with that world can be incredibly dense it can be huge yeah when you play start to play with the metaphysical and you see changes in your own life it makes you think differently and it makes you it makes you curious like i'm not surprised that uh someone like nat was drawn to crystals and sage sticks they are time-tested things that you know crystals work with intention and have their own properties and then sage sticks have been used by shamans for thousands of years to cleanse energy so i'm so glad that you know perhaps one of the lessons for her would have been like, what are these beautiful energetic um, practices that can aid my life? Mm. And how do I know when I need them? Oh, when I get this feeling. And it's just, it's just, I guess I'm jumping ahead to like, what is the lesson here for each person? And I'm trying to download it, you know, and just see what it might be for each person. And what do you think yours was? Yeah, that's a great question. There was definitely some big lessons to take away from that trip. I recognize as sensitive beings me, Priya and Nat, all being our own level of open. It's the same thing when me and Priya went away with our friend in the previous trip. When you're open, things are more likely to be drawn to you as well, right? Like you can open up a bit of a can of worms just simply by being able to acknowledge that there's more than meets the eye sometimes. So for example, another four people may go to the same place and experience absolutely none of this because it doesn't cross their minds. But, you know, when the veil is thin in your mind and in your life already, it's a bit of a gateway. It's a bit of a doorway. And so what I have learned is intuition is absolutely everything. Learn how to listen to your gut. And I, when I spoke to your parents on the night of, like that really helped me debrief and unpack and come back to my heart and have a mad laugh because your parents were absolutely hilarious hearing this story yeah (laughs) but I asked Jesse's mom who's got bang on intuition just as my own mama and so many of our mamas do like how can you listen to your intuition she says when you get a no from your body think about it this way something bad is going to happen even if it's a little thing even if you drop a pencil it might be that you just drop a pencil or it might be that you end up in a haunted house are you willing to take that risk and that was such a big learning thing for me because this was the worst case scenario. I don't, it was one of the worst case scenarios. Yeah. Thousands of omens and just, you know, a horrible turn yeah. of events where it gets progressively more daunting. Yeah. And it's, it's like, terrifying. oh, I'm going to lose almost a thousand dollars. Well, now I've stuffed up my car and been in a nightmare house for a week. 
and that's left such a worse impact on my life. So mm. like leave logic out of the picture and learn how to listen to your gut and your intuition and also yeah. increase your devotional practices. Make sure that you're interfacing with the light and then you have a really good gauge of what feels right, where to go in the world that relates to your light and not anything about that. Not darkness, not density. Don't make decisions from misalignment. Make sure when somebody is off in the decision-making process, you get back on the same page and you don't do not make a decision from that space because again, it could manifest a very off outcome. You could end up in the wrong part of the world, yeah. have the wrong experiences. And so lesson from misalignment and also speaking to misalignment, Jesse and I as a unit are individually and as a unit, very self-reflective and very self-aware. We, we really bring everything back to ourselves. How did we manifest this? You know, what are we learning from this? And so when Jesse and I embark on any kind of journey in life and there is a discrepancy, if I'm like really like, yeah, yeah, this, this, I'm excited. And Jesse's like, I'm not, we cannot do it. We need to take a step back and be like, all right, what's going on here? We need two full fuck yeses. We need two full we've fuck learned yeses. This. The hardest way. We absolutely have and the other lesson I think was quite a huge takeaway was spiritual, mental, and emotional resilience, right? Imagine enduring all that. That's insane, right? And then energetic barriers. Like you mentioned the cord cutting ritual. That's a very good ritual to do for lots of different reasons and lots of different scenarios. So, I mean, great use of that. First of all, you guys did that together. I'm really happy to hear that happened. Um, tell us about the energetic barrier. Yeah, well... It starts, I mean, it depends on your level of openness and awareness and belief, I guess. But it starts from simple things like, are you hydrated? Are you nourished? Are you well slept? Uh, have you looked after your basic human needs? And then it extends out to what emotional and mental state are you in? And then it extends out to what are, you, what are your spiritual practices? What are your devotional practices? What are your rituals? What? Because for me, I have a very strong connection to spirit. And this is not my first time experiencing things beyond the veil reaching out to me. I do get taps and stuff sometimes moving in my room and things like that. So I have a certain level of openness, but again, it's like, what are you working with? How do you ensure you are working with spirits of light? How do you feel protected? How do you feel That's like a big one? Protected. You are, yeah, yeah. You are competent. You were in Good hands. Good hands. You're looked after. And you're not messing with stupid shit. You're not playing around with stuff that you don't understand. Yeah, that's a big one. And you're not, your head's not too up in the clouds about it either. You know, like I don't have, yeah, like super out there belief systems either. You still are grounded enough to make sure that when push comes to shove, you know how to protect, you know how to come back to baseline and shut it off when you need to, as best as you can. If you're Sounds not in like some the sort role of, of the shaman. House. I don't know. To I some guess. extent, they were like the energetic um, guardians of their villages. Yeah, I mean, shamans do, do a lot, but so do priests and priestesses and psychic humans and mm -hmm. very open humans. Anybody mm -hmm. can tap into this Anyone can. kind of practice. So, yeah, like I said, if you're open, things are drawn to you. Like, I feel like, imagine that people come and go in this property if people come and go or maybe they don't i don't know how many people have been there um <laughs> but then all of a sudden you're say you're a ghost okay and someone comes through the property and they're a little bit more sensitive and all of a sudden you're like oh, they can feel me there is the first time 
in 200 years someone who can feel me. Let me reach out to them. Let me reach out to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you're saying it in a way that's like really innocent right now. Yeah, do, you, yeah. do you think it was? Do you, th- <laughs> do you think the ghost had an innocent intentions? Or what was the... Well, maybe from 200 years they've gone stir crazy and they're like, oh my God, someone's finally here. <laughs> Let's play. <laughs> or maybe they're like a really gentle playful five-year-old who's just wearing their dad's boots you know what i mean like there's so many different ways you could take this that's why i say you can't yeah, don't we, make assumptions it's all speculation. Here. Yeah, yeah yeah of course of course but no you're right having those barriers and making sure again as a sensitive being or as a human being go to places that feel safe that feel mm-hmm. right get that fuck yes and we've spoken yes. spoken before in episodes about intuition how to distinguish it from regular thought. There's lots of different stuff. You can scroll through our previous episodes and check out on that topic. But the other thing I noticed that I guess we haven't touched on yet was mental resilience. Knowing in those moments, I'll be okay. I'm going to get through this. I'm strong. I, I am protected. I am guided. I am, I am here and this is all going to be okay. That, um, I guess, base level survival instinct, knowing that you're stronger than whatever is causing those noises to some extent you know how did that manifest for you the, the, these were literal again like you said with energetic boundaries and barriers and exactly what you're saying with mental resilience these were all conversations we were having to get us through mm. we were having these exact conversations like we've got to trust that nothing can touch us nothing can you're come into us yeah. nothing can harm us like it's just going to be on the outside and we are safe and protected within ourselves maybe that was a lesson for the others more prominently i've always been able to uphold that within myself but i guess you're right it's it's a remembering and it's a reminder that i i was that i am strong enough to get through this but for me the other lessons were bigger like right. bitch, make sure you're well fed well slept listen to your intuition and don't those make, are grounding yeah yeah you. ground yourself yeah. and just listen to your intuition and make decisions from a place of alignment those were just the bigger one, biggest ones for me those are ones for you but i'm sure the other lessons had different levels of impact on yeah. everyone else i'm sure Wow, what an insane story. Um, some pretty heavy takeaway lessons. And what an absolute impactful way. And I've used the word impactful a hundred times, but genuinely feeling the energy of the story from hearing you tell it and over and over again. And then, you know, gradually hearing it get worse and worse as I was keeping in contact with you. There was very little Wi-Fi. I should mention on day one and two, you had Wi-Fi, but by day three, four and five, you were using personal hotspot. That oh was yeah, off. I forgot to mention that yeah. the Wi-Fi ran out while we were there. As yeah, well. so you're using personal hotspot from Dan's phone and um, hearing this, the sound of your voice every day change as a result of the sequence of events, it was just... It was, it was awful, man. It was awful. So some pretty heavy ways to learn some pretty heavy lessons. Yeah. That was kind of last year for me as well, though. It was it was like that. But yeah, Jesse didn't have an idea of how crazy all this shit was until I got back. Yeah. Once and, I heard the stories, I was like, holy fuck, this is for real shit, you know? And audience, like, pr- please give Jesse some love right now for sticking out this story because he does not like listening to it. And poor thing gets spooked. This is like the third or fourth time I've heard it. And I get this awful feeling in my gut and I get really crazy like heart racing feelings and sometimes I start sweating last time I started sweating <laughs> I don't typically sweat when people tell stories um, I don't typically have a racing heart when listening to stories but I could feel it on the perimeters of like of the situation I could feel it like on the periphery and it was really it emerged from from oh this is we'll make the most of it it's gonna be a fun time and we'll just get through it and have a good time and to like 
sleepless nights and noises and supernatural experiences that were just scary as fuck. And honestly, I just, anyone could go through that and be changed forever. Mm. Anyone could. Um, so congrats to you guys, man. You guys got through it. I'm sure you're all changed for the better after experiencing that. And maybe you've all learned new things about how to deal with that kind of energy, or maybe you've all learned new things about how to understand those parts of yourselves that are darkness or, you know, it's just, it's just, there's so many takeaways. And so I'm glad you are ready to share that on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Jesse, for holding space for this wacky story. Thank you everyone for listening and uh, sleep well tonight. Yeah, <laughs>